Good morning, everybody. It's great to have you here in Grace Church this morning. Um, my name is Anthony. Um, I'm a part of Grace Church. I've been a member here for quite a while. I'm a husband to a beautiful woman, a father to lovely children, and by grace, a child of God. Amen. You guys didn't get the gladiator reference. Anyway, I'll, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> But really, it is great to be here, and it's great to have you in front of us here this morning to hear God's word. Um, over the course of the last couple of weeks, we'll be talking about when Jesus met. And Jesus has met quite a couple of interesting characters over the last couple of weeks in the book of Mark, as well as in the book of Luke, if you're familiar with it, Luke 4 and Mark 5. Um, today's not going to be different. Um, he's going to be meeting someone here today um, in this hall, and that might be you might be you, but it's important that we are ready to meet him. Um, I once met someone that was really very important. Who has ever met the queen here? Oh, and you, you, we're in the same club. Yeah. Well, I once met the queen in London as part of a very massive crowd. She was really out there in like a speck, you know. She had a white hat on, so I'm sure it must have been the queen. Um, I did wave, you know, didn't get a wave back or something. Um, but I met her as part of a crowd, a big, massive, strong crowd that really was um, um, not a great way to meet anybody. And it's not a great way to meet Jesus either. We want to meet Jesus on a one-to-one level. We want to have a tete-a-tete, a, -tete, a personal chat with Jesus. And one of the best ways to do that is to come with an expectation, is to come prepared to meet him is to wave out that banner to say, look, this is what I'm expecting you to do for me today. So I'm going to pause. I'm going to give us a couple of seconds while we do a bit of dust up in our heads, in our minds, in our hearts. Let's clear out space. Let's fill it up with expectation to meet him. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. You say the expectations of your children shall not be cut short. You say that if we knock, the door will be flung open for us. If we seek you, we shall find you. We want to find you this morning. We want to meet you. We want to experience the comfort of your warm embrace. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue our series, and we're talking about how Jesus met someone very interesting this time around. So we're going to be looking at the book of Mark. Uh, we're reading from verse 22 to 24. And from 35 to 42. If you've got your Bible, bring it out, the phone, the iPad. If not, no worries, it will be projected right in the screen behind me. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. And implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and leave. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. 35. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. 
And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and he told them to give her something to eat. Amen. So we see in this narrative here in the Bible how God met Jairus and how Jairus' life was changed immensely. How things did a 360 degrees as a result of the meeting of Jairus. But let's take some time out to understand who this man was. Who was Jairus? We see in the Bible here it says that Jairus was a leader in the synagogue. So typically a leader in the synagogue will be a different term will be a president, a ruler. You know, he will be charge of the schools, very important job. He will organize the synagogue. He will actually even arrange rabbis to come and speak. So, so to speak, Jairus was top management in the synagogue and probably an important person in his community. He would probably have been a man, possibly rich, possibly of some really well-known family. So he would have been a man of some sort of prestige. But also... It's safe to imagine that Jairus would have been, would not have been the typical follower of Jesus. He would have been cynical of Jesus, skeptical of him. While he sat around with all the other rabbis and the guys in the synagogue, they would have talked about this upstart that was claiming to be the son of God. So he wasn't someone you would typically associate with Jesus. Well, we see here that Jairus had a challenge. He was desperate. His daughter was at the point of debt. So I would have imagined that um, as Jairus heard that Jesus had come across the river, he had this impression that, oh, this man we've heard about, this man that has been doing so wonderful, great things around, he could save my daughter. He could make her well again. And I don't think it was just us oh, maybe, maybe not, I think he really believed it. The Bible says that he ran, he looked for him. You know, he ran to Jesus and he fell flat on his face face and begged him, come to my house, come lay your hands on my daughter. But I believe that as Jairus was making that journey from his house looking for Jesus, he must have felt a little bit of anxiety. What would Jesus say? Would he have... Would he tell me no? Would he say, go away? Would he say, oh, look, you are the part of those group of people that don't like me, so I'm not going to help. He probably might have been worried. But I, I, I think that Jairus walked to Jesus. As he went finding Jesus, all those things that made him Jairus, the ruler, he dropped them off, possibly dropped off a bit of his pride, a bit of his authority as a ruler, I bet he put to the back burner even his perception of who he was as a wealthy man or a powerful man 
in his society. And I think as he, made those, as, he, as he began to approach Jesus, as he began to leave those things behind him, those weights, as I'll describe them, his faith grew because he approached Jesus with faith. The Bible says that he, he, he ran to him not minding what people thought. I'm, I'm sure people would have snickered. Oh, who is he? Why is he coming? Oh, he's Jairus, the ruler. Is he not ashamed to be here? Probably others than him would have wondered, oh, he's going to the dark side. You know, he switched sides. You know, at one point he was with us, the Pharisees and people of, you know, um, the scribes, but now he's going to Jesus, so he's kind of like opposite. But no, I think his faith was bolstered by the fact that he left those things behind. It is important for us to approach God with faith. As we've seen in all the different narratives this mo- um, um, in the past couple of weeks, that people that come to Jesus, they came to him with faith. What's also important that as we come to him with faith, we leave some of these things behind because there can be weights. There can be barriers between you and Jesus. So see in the text that Jairus ran and he fell on his face, not minding who he was, you know, nice clothes on the floor. He wasn't worried about it at all. And I can relate to that. I don't know if you can. Um, I'm, I'm originally from Nigeria, and I, it's a fantastic country. Have you ever been? You should go. It's awesome. I got a woo there, you know, so it's, it's, it's great, you know, so... It's a good place to be. It's a fantastic place where it can also be very rough. But I grew up with a parent, with a dad, who ingrained in me the importance of standing on your own two feet. We had a motto in my house. Everybody's got a life to live, their own life to live. So pull your socks up, not literally in those terms, and sort yourself out was kind of our motto in our house. And I grew up with that mentality that I had to stand on my two feet. I don't need any help from anybody, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but I'll do it on my own, by myself. And that, in a way, for some of us, at least for me, meant that it's sometimes difficult to approach God when I'm in trouble, when I've got challenges. It's definitely difficult to approach other people because, really, I don't want, to de- I don't want that shame, that loss of independence, that loss of who I am. So I want to implore us this morning before we go into the service or into the sermon in detail. Let's get a little less of my, my job, my career, my family, my Ferrari, if you've got one. Let's put a little less of ourselves and more of Jesus. Amen. So fine, so we see Jairus, the story of Jairus continues. And that was a fantastic thing about it. When he met Jesus, Jesus just looked at him and said, yes, I'll go. No questions asked, no, oh, no rebuke, no nothing. Jesus just said, yeah, I'll come. And that is the beauty that we have in Jesus. He's got a heart big enough for all of us. He's got... (laughs) He's got so much compassion that he will take any one of us in this room outside, whether you know him or not, whether you've been against him in the past or not, whether you've, you know, you've been cynical about him in the past or not, it doesn't matter. He's got a compassion for every one of us. And we see that in this, in this, in this narrative. Jesus said, yeah, I'll go. No worries. I'll come sort you out. 
So I want to implore all of us here today. Jesus feels every bit of your pain. We should never be afraid to approach him. We should never be afraid to come to him. He longs to help you. He desires to help you. He is pleased when you run up to him, when you approach him in faith. His arms are wide open. Amen? Cool. So the story continues. I'll run up to the story and see. And you see Jairus haven't had this fantastic response of, yes, I'll come. You would have imagined I would have been expecting the ambulance treatment. You know what the ambulance treatment is? You ring 911. You say something is going wrong. They say, yes, someone is coming. Nino, Nino, Nino comes down at your door. And you want it to just pew, down straight there. No delays. No branching off. You know, no slowing up. You want... His daughter was at the point of death. Well, that's not what Jairus got. We see in the text there, in, I think 24, it says that the crowd thronged around him. You must have imagined delayed. Delays. He wasn't going anywhere fast. He, Jesus wasn't going anywhere fast with the crowd around them. And you can see Jairus would have probably been thinking, oh, hey, Brother Jay, Jesus, tell them to move along. Tell this crowd to get out of the way. You know, my daughter is at the point of death. But that was not Jairus' experience. There was a delay. I don't know how you feel. Um, if you've ever been in an ambulance and it gets stuck in traffic, you know those nasty people that will move out away from ambulances that they just keep on the middle of the road and you go, rah, 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 get out of the way. There's an ambulance there. I guess that's how Jairus felt. You people get out of the way. But to make matters worse, as we saw last week, Jesus packed the ambulance to the side and attended to someone else. As we heard last week, he attended to the woman with the issue of blood who touched him and he healed her. Now, if I was Jairus, I'd have been saying to myself, what the heck is going on? My daughter is at the point of death. Those things, those delays, those interruptions, they take a stab at our feet, don't they? They, 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 they take a little bit of it. Because that's what Jairus would have felt. That time is being wasted here. Probably would have said, oh, yeah, she's waited 12 years. She could wait one more hour or two more while Jesus sorts, sorts me out. Those things in our lives that we describe as delays, as we describe as interruptions, they're not really interruptions because God is walking to his time. God is confident of his time. So God blesses, when God blesses another person, it doesn't in any way limit or diminish from his ability to bless you. When God touches someone, it doesn't mean that he's got no more grace to touch you. So as we see in the case of Jairus, even though those things took a stab at his face, there's something to learn here. God is able. Jesus is able. He's able, abundantly able, to do what he has promised in your life. But to make matters worse, the news came, your daughter is dead. That must have been terrible news. There's a finality to it. It's like the end. 
You know those funny things when you go to cinema and it comes the end? Nothing yet, nothing left to see here. And they did say to him, don't bother the master anymore. So that was Jairus' situation. So put yourself in Jairus' place. It must have been heart-wrenching to get that news. So many questions. If only Jesus had hurried up. If only this crowd had made way for us. If only, you know, he hadn't stopped to attend to this other person. It is a terrible place to be. And I guess we've all been in that place at one point in our lives or the other. The death of a loved one. The death of a relationship or a marriage even. Or even an opportunity that comes to an end. It is a difficult place to be. I remember one of the most difficult times in my life was when I got the news about my little girl. My little girl, Joanna, she's lovely, she's here. Um, when we got the news that she had sickle cell, which was kind of, um, um, it's an ailment that hasn't got, um, what do you call those things now? Um, a cure. It was devastating news. It was kind of like the death of good health for my daughter. Now, I've got this. I don't do it often, but that was very, one of the very few times in my life that I did break down and cry because I didn't see anywhere else to go from there. So it's something that we experience one way or the other in our lives. We get this finality as if something has been snatched away from us. Something that seems irreversible. But thank God for Jesus. <laughs> thank God for Jesus. Nothing is irreversible. Nothing is beyond him. Nothing is too big for him. But we see in this scenario that Jesus said to Jairus because he could perceive it, that fear was creeping into Jairus' life. Those little delays, those little interruptions were taking a stab at his feet and they were creating room for fear. Now, I believe Jesus wasn't referring to the fear that is kind of like a life-preserving fear. You know, you know the fear you, that kind of fear you get when there is a 10-ton truck heading towards you, you know, really fast. You know, that fear that tells you to get out of the way really quick. That's not the kind of fear, you know. It's not the kind of fear that says, oh, that's a rattlesnake, you know. You don't want to be in its path. No, that's not, I don't think that's the kind of fear. But I think it's the kind of fear that's more insidious. It's a fear that Paul describes as a spirit of bondage to fear, the spirit of fear. It is one that freezes you up, the kind of fear that immobilizes you, terrifies you, the kind of fear that acts like a barrier between you and the love of Jesus, between you and the promises of Jesus. That was the fear Jesus was speaking to. He was saying, don't let that come into you. Don't let that step into your life. Don't create room for it. Because in my situation, that's the fear I felt. You know, the timeliness of it. The fact that, oh, there's a debt of good health for my daughter. Well, just like Jesus said, don't be afraid. And I'm saying to you this morning, don't be afraid. Jesus said to you, don't be afraid. Don't let that fear sink in. 
Don't let that fear settle into your life. So, as Jesus spoke to Jairus, he told him, don't be afraid. But how do you not be afraid in the face of such a difficult situation? Simple. Well, not that simple. You look unto Jesus. So when Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, he was simply saying, look at me. He wasn't discounting, he wasn't discounting the fact that his daughter was dead. Jesus was saying, look at me. I am the God, the King of kings. <laughs> By my breath, O oh Lord, I, I breath this earth. You know, I am the God that hangs the stars in the sky. I am the beginning and the end. I am beyond time. I have seen your future. I have seen your past. Even before you were, I have seen you. That's the God he's saying to look at me. Look at him. And that's a very important lesson to learn, that when our faith is tested, when our faith has taken so much knocks, God is saying, Jesus is saying, look at me. Why do we look at him? Because that's where our faith lies. Our faith is in him. And we get an increase of faith through him. Not in anything else. So when you feel that fear creeping on, he's saying, look at me. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. Look at me. So we see here that Jairus, Jairus was instructed by Jesus to look at him, to focus on him. As the, as the Bible says, is the author and the finisher of our faith. You see, when we place our eyes on Jesus, we draw strength, the strength to overcome, the strength to lay aside those things that will act as barriers, those fears in our lives. You see, I haven't spent so much time on fear, but it is so, when I use the word insidious, it, it creeps into people's life and envelops it. In today's world, you get people that are afraid to sleep. They're afraid to step out of the house. They are trapped and in bondage. They live a life of worry, of worry, of worry. They are afraid of their shadow sometimes. You know, scientists have characterized, uh, well, medical people have categorized almost 700 phobias. And this is not phobia, oh, I'm afraid of spiders. No, yeah, people actually f lose it from being afraid of human contact, as simple as that. So fear is a big thing, but Jesus is saying to us this morning, look at me, I resolve all of those. I sought out all of those. They are not, no biggie, just bring them to me. So let's look at Jesus. But he gave him another tip. He said, only believe. Because as you edge out fear, you fill it with belief. But not in belief in anything, but believe in him. How do we continue to believe when faced with the facts to the contrary? The news came and said, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Jesus said, Look at me, only believe. One beautiful way to do that is to focus on God's promises for your life. For each and every one of us, there is a promise. Let's look at some of those promises. I, I really love, I think for me, in my experience, I've always drawn from God's promises. I'm confident in Him. I rely and I rest on them. 
It says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That's in Timothy. In Isaiah, God says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my strong and righteous hand. That's the promise of God to you. Not to mention when he says that, I, I, I know the plans I have for you. That's what God says. Plans for your good. Plans for your well-being. To give you a future and a hope. But one in particular that encompasses all is what he says in Corinthians when God says to us that for no matter how many promises he has made to you, no matter how many promises he's given you in your quiet time, or as you've read the word, or have you, you've heard the word, or have you read the Bible, whatever, no matter how many promises they are, they are yes in Christ. They are true in Christ. They are actionable in Christ. They are achievable through Christ. You will see them through Christ. So through him, our amen is spoken to the glory of God. When you say that amen through Christ, it gives you the peace that you require. So I say to you this morning, Rick, Mark, John, I'm just shooting out names here. It must be one of you there. God loves you unconditionally. He loves you unconditionally. His plan for your life is that you prosper. He's interested in your well-being. He's got a vested interest. You know what I mean? Vested interest, a partial interest in your well-being. In your well-being. But more importantly, he will never call you to a place and leave you unattended. <laughs> he will never say, come, and let you go on your own. So when we boldly claim the truth of God's promises, we create that space. We create that room, you know, for him to step in. We give him that invitation for him to step in and show up in his glory. And that's what Jairus saw. So let's go back to Jairus. We've left him for a while. You see, when, God said to Jairus, when Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe, Jairus did not turn back. He didn't run ahead, which would have been reasonable. His daughter is dead. He want to run ahead and see what's going on. He didn't say, oh, well, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It was really nice of you to have agreed to come help him, but... She's dead now, so let's forget about it. No. He kept in step with Jesus. He continued on that, that walk with Jesus. Not ahead, not in front of him, but he just continued to walk with Jesus. Ah, what a reward he got. We see in the text what a wonderful reward he got. He got a reward more than his expectation. He came expecting Jesus to come and say, oh, come lay your hands on my daughter who was sick. He got Jesus raising his daughter from the dead. His expectation was blown. So when I come, when I say this morning, have an expectation, Jesus will blow your expectation away. 
he will make, you, you, your, your expectation is child's play to him. And that was the reward of faith that keeps on believing. The faith to keep on believing, the faith to hang on to Jesus, the faith to keep on looking onto him. That was the reward. We see that even when you, he stepped into that place of scorn, when Jesus stepped into that place of scorn and even to that place of doubt with the people around him, it doesn't stop him from being who he was. Jairus' reward was sure because he kept on believing. And that's the place God wants us to be. Faith that never wavers. Faith that hangs on. Faith that is not crippled by fear or arrested by fear. He wants you to keep on looking at him. He wants you to keep on holding on to him. So my experience has been, when I looked, when I had the, the, the reports of my daughter having this so-called incurable illness, well, when the fear came, it did come, no lie. I looked unto Jesus. We held on to him. You see my daughter now, she's um, seven years old, she's stroppy, <laughs> cheeky also, she's never, with people with that illness, they go into hospital almost every other week or thereabouts. We've not been to the hospital for like four, five, six years now. She's healthy, she's doing well, you know. And that's how I see faith in God. It works. It works. Because when you say you have faith, it is not, oh, I have faith, my will, my plan. You say you have faith in God, you are saying to Jesus, you're looking up to him and say, your will, your plan. Jairus' will and plan was that come, touch my daughter, let her be healed. Jesus had a greater plan. He had a bigger plan. And when you hold on to Jesus, his will and his plan will be made real in your lives. So he's never in a hurry. He does not walk to our timetable as much as we'd love him to walk to our timetable. But he's always on time. He's never late. He cannot be interrupted or delayed by unforeseen circumstances because he knows all. And his devotion for one person, his love for you, his love for you, Rick, does not limit his love for anybody else. He's got, a well, he's, got a, he's got a pool or a well that is never ending of love for everyone. So a request delayed does not mean a request denied for you. Keep walking with Jesus. Don't run ahead. It's a good tip. Don't lag behind either. Okay? Keep in step. Let's keep in step. It's not always easy, but let's keep in step. And more importantly, don't be afraid. No matter how big or how scary those fears are, you're not in when it, where Jesus is involved. Don't be afraid. Keep on believing.